Welcome to Supporting Atheist Students, Voices from Campus. I'm your host, Allison Peters. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight voices of students who identify as atheists on college campuses around the United States, as well as the voices of alumni. The purpose of this podcast is twofold. The first is to really allow an opportunity for authentic voices to be out there in the world, representing a few views of what it's like to be an atheist student on college campuses. The second is this project, Supporting Atheist Students, comes out of a graduate-level seminar at Florida State University. EDH 5931, College Student Populations, is a graduate-level course in the College of Education at Florida State University. The course challenges students to analyze, explore, and implement targeted advocacy efforts for a specific student population. The course has involved reviewing literature, examining practice and pedagogy, and producing scholarship and artifacts that deepen an understanding of a target population. So at the beginning of the course, students were able to propose a population discussing why advocacy was needed and how the population was underserved in our present higher education system. Ultimately, the class voted to choose secular students as the student population of interest for the fall 2015 semester. After much discussion, the population of interest was narrowed to students who identify as atheist. Atheist is an identity construction which is notably more finite than that of secular identity. So atheism was chosen for its relative specificity, providing a key characteristic upon which to develop advocacy efforts. Voices on Campus will highlight the stories of current and former college students who identify as atheist. This episode features Peter, a current graduate student. It was recorded on December 3rd, 2015. I reflect on my identity in terms of my beliefs quite a bit. I imagine many people do. Uh, For me, it's been, I guess, a few different stages or phases, I don't know what I'd call it. Uh, I was raised Roman Catholic, went to Catholic school from kindergarten until I graduated from high school, was still practicing Catholic through something like half of my undergraduate years, and then I don't know exactly what, it wasn't really a spark, but I just kind of stopped believing, I guess, and as well as I also started just feeling more comfortable challenging my beliefs and being more honest about it. I mean, in Catholic school, we are often told that it's really important to challenge one's beliefs so that it can strengthen your faith. And for a while, I really liked the view because you hear a lot of religious people who won't they they're challenging the faith or even questions sometimes are off limits. And I think that's, I've always been a firm advocate of questions. I think questions are one of the most important things in the world. That's how we get anywhere. That's how we accomplish anything. That's how we come to some sort of peace of mind. So I really liked the questioning aspect of things, but it was often done with this agenda that I didn't always feel comfortable acknowledging up front. And the agenda was often, well, you can ask questions as long as you come to these particular answers. And when your answers that you come up with semi-independently don't match with those, it can be pretty difficult. For me, it really wasn't and still continues to not be that difficult for a lot of kind of expected circumstances, like f- supportive family for the most part. I'm not like in dire poverty. I'm a graduate student, so I guess that's something I have to say with a grain of salt. <laughs> Very cheap salt. <laughs> and uh, it's not like I had the kind of, oh, this is the moment I'm going to stop and like everything's better and I'm just radic- just very passionate about this change of identity. 
I never really felt like I changed that much. I just started slowly adapting how I felt about myself and adopting new titles or labels. I never really liked labels, but they're kind of inevitable. I guess it kind of paused as soon as I got into this phase as a college student, kind of stereotypically telling myself, you know what, I don't think that believing in God is really right for me and probably not for most people, depending on how they get to that point. Like if it, you're going to really dramatically worsen someone's life situation in order to get them to disbelieve, that's probably not the best path, but I don't think that's always the case. That's another conversation. But I really didn't do much in terms of disbelief until I kind of, a, I guess, some spontaneous events happened. I guess it was when there was a person in the Florida State Capitol that put up a Festivus Bowl, and uh, I decided I wanted to do one too. I wanted to beforehand. I just didn't realize that it was an option. I guess I hadn't really looked into it and wasn't as much of a sensationalist trying to draw media attention as I think some people like that person do they are like a lot of atheists get characterized as just wanting to make people upset and to try to be kind of pushing envelopes in a way that stirs the pot and is bad for a social fabric and to some extent i think that's a good criticism depending on who you're targeting toward or uh, who you're targeting Uh, i don't always want to be that but i do think that it's important to draw attention to certain issues i just think that tone and intent are huge fundamental components to how you do that and what the aftermath can be. So I made a a flying spaghetti monster. I knew that it was pretty popular with disbelievers or that you're religious and it got accepted to be on display. So it was kind of surprising. And then a friend helped me put it up because I was out of town. It was fun going onto websites. My friend who just coincidentally was in town and said she put it up for me. She texts me the next day and says, uh, I'm on Huffington Post right now, <laughs> front page, or maybe not front page, but just her photo was on there. And uh, then I saw these blogs and things were commenting on it. There's some very conservative blog that was taking like kind of direct shots at me, <laughs> but I was never contacted by anyone. And then there was a local radio host who did the same. And a friend came into my office and said, hey, I listened to this local conservative radio show host and he uh, had a segment that was all about you. And I said, what do you mean about, about me? Like, about graduate students, people from the Midwest. Why? He said, no, he started the segment by calling you out by name and criticizing you. And I said, that's interesting because he'd never contacted me and I've never met this person. So I actually went out, reached out to him and asked if they wanted to have a conversation on air. And then I don't know if it was coincidental or what, but he got really sick and actually wasn't on air for like two weeks in the holiday season, the winter holiday season. So I never got to do that. It's fascinating because a lot of people are drawn to people that are somewhat outspoken about not believing in any God or gods and either will say, Oh, they're horrible people that are amoral or they'll say, Oh, like this is a good thing that they're finally rejecting things. And it's, it's good to separate yourself from religion because that's a really detrimental thing to the world. And I've tried to put myself into a place that's more pragmatic and probably a little bit harder to label, probably not that hard to label, but it, it doesn't always fit into that binary. And I like it, but it can be really frustrating. It can be very difficult, especially, for instance, I've seen times when I've spoken to like media outlets and they kind of recharacterize my path towards atheism, not in the terms that I put it, which is, oh, it was kind of slow and I don't even really like that label, but it seems like the most effective one right now. 
they don't use that kind of story, but it's more like, oh, one instance was, oh, ex-girlfriend shows him the light and turns him away from religion. That never actually happened to me. I've put things that kind of were around that sort of situation, but uh, it gets sensationalized. And I understand the effect that it can have as far as like marketing and PR go, but I think it's it discredits a lot of the experiences I've had and people like me have had, which is that coming to disbelieve has a lot of different paths. Some people are born into it and then come to understand themselves. Some people very suddenly change their mind. Some people very slowly change their mind. Some people never change their mind, but just have different ways of expressing what their identity has been for their whole lives. And that could be different labels. And that's kind of the camp I fall into. I think it's fun to think about how I would hope that my identity as someone who doesn't believe in any gods will continue to change and ideally evolve. I mean, just like anyone, it doesn't have to be disbelievers, but just people in general. I've always been against the idea of the kind of happily ever after. At some point, you're going to reach a stage in your life where your identity settles and things will go kind of plateau from there, and that's a good thing. I hope that doesn't happen. I understand that, like, neurologically, as you age at some point, you're less likely to change your mind on your views. They say that people, I think, as the brain gets past like 30 years or something, 40 years old, that your political views are less likely to change, that you become kind of fixed in what they are. I don't want that. I understand that it can make sense. And if I would come to that point, I would hope it would be after a lot of scrutiny, self-scrutinizing, or at least just a constant challenging of who I am. I I think that's often, not always, but often a big weakness or vulnerability of people that come to say God's not there is that they kind of leave it there at some point. I mean, it's a two-edged sword. I think that it's important to challenge things, but it's also important to know that if you don't believe, you don't need to just constantly be proving yourself. I mean, it's okay to say, you know, I just have, I got a good feeling that God's not for me. And it's probably just this political conspiracy that's been perpetuated throughout millennia, which has a lot more evidence, but nonetheless, I think it's okay to have impulse involved and to not just obsess over detail and empirics and all that. I think that they need to go together and just to stay sane, if anything like that. So I, mean, I guess that's an ideal way that I try to frame how I'll go forward as being an individual, but also someone that hopes to community build through both disbelief or, uh, I guess the better term, more proactively, is secular humanism. But also just as a human being, it's important for for me personally, and I think others, to be a part of communities that aren't necessarily based on what we believe, but who we are and what we do. Granted, there's overlap, but it can be really overwhelming and I think counterproductive to really obsess over what we think the world's origins are and who's behind it, as opposed to just having interest and being simple-minded sometimes. I think that's really valuable and really important. For some kind of conversation like this, I don't really have a natural conclusion, but I think that's kind of the point, is when you talk about one's belief systems, or lack thereof, I guess no one really lacks belief systems, but uh, lack of particular belief systems, I would hope that there's no natural conclusion, because it's, at least for me, an ongoing process. So uh, that's, I guess, one experience or one way of me expressing how I, I view myself and my role within secularism in general. A huge thank you to Peter for speaking with me for this podcast. If you want to learn more about how to support atheist students on college campuses, visit our project website for supporting atheist students 
at atheiststudents.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening.